Hi there! Welcome back to JFS in Conversation. JFS in Conversation is a podcast created by Justice for Society in hopes to inform the world about important societal issues. Our podcast is released bi-weekly, and when you're not tuning into our podcast, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Justice for Society Magazine and at JFS in Conversation for more content and information on topics that are important to society. Hello and welcome back to JFS In Conversation. Today we'll be talking about UNICEF and their impact on COVID and its changes towards gender equity. We are joined by Rowena. Rowena, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, before we get started, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. So I'm uh, Rowena Pinto. I'm the Chief Program Officer for UNICEF Canada. All right, wonderful. So just to get started, we did, of course, want to cover your thoughts on what impact COVID has had on gender equity. I'm sure. Well, um, not a surprise. Um, uh, The the pandemic has had a huge impact on uh, gender equality. Um, But I think one thing that might be of interest um, to your listeners before I get into some of what the impact has been is just um, an acknowledgement that we actually were doing quite well when it came to gender equality, meaning we had seen some progress. In 2020, we actually celebrated um, the 25th anniversary of the adoption of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action. And that was actually one of the most comprehensive global agendas for for women and girls um, that the world has ever seen. And it started in 1995 and and there was a huge global movement to actually improve um, the situation for women and girls um, and to move towards um, gender equality and removing inequalities. Um, so in fact, um, in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, I was actually asked to speak at a forum where I talked about actually how, um, how much progress have we actually seen over the past 25 years. Um, so for example, the gender disparities in the number of out of school children had narrowed substantially over the past um, two decades. And nearly two in three girls were now enrolled in secondary school compared to one in two in 1998. And in 1995, uh, the proportion of young women who were married as children had declined globally from one in four to approximately one in five as of of, uh, 2020. Um, we saw less adolescent uh, births. Um, it declined from 60 births per 1,000 girls, age 15 to 19, to 44 births worldwide. Um, and all of these things were, were huge in terms of, of what the world had really demonstrated a commitment towards. And then the pandemic happened. And as you can imagine, um, as we've seen the pandemic hit, a lot of very marginalized and and vulnerable populations, women and girls were were often the first to suffer. Um, So with school closures, um, we saw girls now out of school, they became more susceptible to never going back to school um, and and getting married early. We started to see an increase in child marriages for the first time in 20 years. Um, We saw, unwanted pregnancies increase. And we also saw the rise of gender-based violence. And the and and we we know that some schools are still closed. Mm. Um, so girls, girls um, might not return. Mm. So that's just an example of, of some of the some of the impact that that the pandemic has had. 
what do you think caused this increase in unpaid care and also domestic work? And so, of course, we all know that this invisible and unpaid labor uh, was, you know, a huge part of life beforehand. But is it just like more clear than ever before? Is it just as invisible, do you think? Um, what with the pandemic and such? Well, you know, women actually became um, really were on the front lines of the of, of fighting the COVID pandemic. And um, as we looked to having, um, uh, you know, rolling out COVID vaccines, ensuring that children were still being taken care of, um, delivering babies, all it was women that really played a huge role. And in fact, an organization called CanWatch uh, released um, uh, released a, a national study in in December of 2020, where they actually said of the 200 million workers that contributed to health and the social sector worldwide, 70% were women, and half of these contributions to global health were by unpaid um, women. Um, so that you know that just showed the breadth of, of, of the impact um, that women play, but that women don't get recognized for. And I think this just became more and more apparent during the pandemic because um, the world just, you know, even focused, had more of a, um, a reliance on this unpaid uh, work. And of course, mm-hmm. as with women often, they put their needs second. So they were out there when there were no vaccines. They didn't, there was ne- not necessarily um, PPE available. They too had families um, that they, they needed to look after. So they were doing a lot of risky work on behalf of global health. Um, but often it was because there was no one else there to do it. And they, um, they, they needed to keep their communities and their families um, as, as, as healthy as possible. Would you be able to talk about uh, sort of the logistical measures that just weren't in place, that should have been in place um, to sort of prevent this unpaid care and domestic work? Um, so for example, uh, paid leave from uh, workplaces for women who do work full time, or perhaps, um, you know, daycare systems, et cetera, things like that. Well, sure. I mean, I think it's all, it's a, a it, it, it's different depending on where you are in the world. So mm-hmm. obviously we saw many uh, women here in Canada drop out of the workforce um, due to the fact that they they needed to also take care of their families um, who were all at home during that time. Um, so absolutely, you know, the need to support women to stay in the workforce was incredibly important. We're seeing globally that when girls were pulled out of school, um, they also now are being um, asked to do much more domestic work at home. Um, Mm -hmm. And often that takes away from their ability to do any studies. Um, There are many things that could be used to support and yes, paid leave absolutely is one of those things. Um, The ability to have more flexibility, um, childcare um, and, you know, that kind of support. But in addition, I mean, it depends on what we, what we saw was also that there was a huge movement to focus in on the pandemic. And what that meant was that resources were taken away from things that actually support women 
um, mm. be healthy and, 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 and raise their children appropriately. So they were having to jump in, whether that be, um, you know, with education closed down, if you had a child who required, um, special, who had special needs, it was, you know, it was families that were looking after that and often mothers. Um, if you uh, needed elder care, well, that would fall on often the woman of the family. So it just, the whole uh, redirection of, of, of resources towards fighting the pandemic also meant that resources were taken out of things that would even normally be in place. Do you think these facts that are now readily apparent are raising more awareness, hopefully in the direction of improving our post-pandemic world? I definitely know that a large topic of conversation at some point was almost like this sort of questioning of why are these specific resources being taken away and, um, you know, things along that line. Well, I think the whole, the whole world, <laughs> it's just grappling on how we could have been yeah. better prepared to deal with the pandemic. And, um, you know, I think that is what UNICEF is really focused on is how can we play a huge role in ending this pandemic mm. um, so that um, the world can go back to at least providing some routine foundational uh, support to women and children that, you know, it's unable to do because there's just there's just scarce resources. Um, so you might have heard, for example, that uh, UNICEF in a in a in a year, um, normally distributes 2 billion vaccines worldwide to children. Mm -hmm. um, we vaccinate approximately 45% of the world's children on any given year. Um, due to that, the logistics and, and our, our, you know, our, our expertise in, in, and our ability to do this, we were actually asked to help um, you know, deliver the COVID-19 vaccines. Now we were not, and we still do not, um, we're not vaccinating children, but what we realized is that if we don't all play a role in ending the pandemic, it's really children and women who are the invisible victims in all of this. So, um, you know, do I do I um, have a solution in terms of how do you fight a pandemic at the same time as maintain all the other services? No, I don't think the I don't think the world. I don't know if it was possible or not. Um, but what I do know is that it really um, is, it just demonstrates how important it is for all of us to play a role in, in ending the pandemic so that we can re, you know, redirect the resources to where they're needed most. Because right now we're seeing gender equality fall behind. We're seeing, you know, a lot of the gains we've made for children uh, fall um, significantly for the first time in decades. So, you know, this is something that globally we do need to think about because we're not start it's not like everything paused mm. we're going to have to start when we start up again we're going to be behind and so it's going to take a global effort from everyone to really um, bring us back to what we were pre-pandemic and mm. then to get better yeah for sure um and so i think at this point we're probably going to get a little more um into detail for maybe some of these issues and some of these solutions that uh, we can perhaps propose uh so the first thing that i want to talk about was uh, more of the education aspect you know talking about, about girls for the most part 
you know, like you said, a lot of education has been halted. And so that has re- resulted in a lot of invisible domestic work and, and, you know, all these different little aspects and things like that. Can you go into a little more depth about how it has affected girls that are studying and uh, how that might progress in the future? So as I mentioned at the, at the beginning mm. of the podcast, you know, we've made huge gains um, mm. in bringing more girls into school uh, globally. So there's mm-hmm. been, there was a huge focus in getting more children, girls into primary care, and then they primary, sorry, primary school. And then, um, you know, there was a recognition that girls were dropping out of school around the time that they, they reached adolescence mm-hmm. um, and, and they reached puberty because often there were not, um, for example, enough supports in school to actually support a girl. So there weren't separate bathrooms, as simple things like that. There weren't sanitary napkins. There weren't, mm. there were all these barriers that were put in place um, that actually made girls too embarrassed to go to school. And once they stayed home, their chances of returning to school really, really lessened. Well, now with the closures that were caused by COVID-19, um, we're at risk of actually losing even more girls. Um, so schools for many girls, especially vulnerable girls are amongst one of the strongest social networks for adolescent girls. And they provide, you know, peers, um, they provide friendship, they provide mentors. And when girls are cut off from these networks, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that could go wrong, including, uh, you know, there's, there is evidence to show there's an increased risk to violence and, you know, where, you know, gender norms, for example, that might exist in a particular country limit a girl's access to the tools needed for remote learning, which is often the case. So when we were all going online in many places, um, you know, first of all, it was difficult to get your hands on computers, smartphones, etc. But if they, if they, were available, they went to male students um, Mm. while the schools were closed. And really, you know, uh, even after we we go through this crisis, what the worry is, is that even if we we haven't, we try and incentivize these girls to come back, um, they won't. And um, I think, you know, we saw some of this through the Ebola epidemic that hit Africa. Um, a couple of years ago is that even once that crisis was averted, um, many girls did not return to school. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's just without the safety net that school often provides, you know, beyond the education component, uh, you know, girls are, are more vulnerable to abuse, child marriage and child labor. You also mentioned um, domestic violence and, and how it has increased a lot. I know um, a really big thing, I think maybe earlier this year, I believe my, my, um, my um, perception of time has been a little worse. Yes. But I yeah. know, I think it was like football or soccer. I remember a lot of talk about how, especially in England, it was such a big worry because like if the English team I think it was England but if it's not then don't call me on that yes but if they if the English team like lost then um the biggest worry was that domestic violence would increase like overnight like by a huge number um because you know these men would go home and be angry that the, that the yeah. team lost and then you know take that out through uh, domestic violence 
Um, and so, of course, that's one example that I personally know domestic violence has been affected, especially with COVID, because a lot of these different services and organizations that deal with domestic violence have been shut down through the pandemic. Just uh, on in the sphere of this topic, how has domestic violence been affected in general? Can you say anything as to how it can be improved possibly? Because it does seem the pandemic is going to be here for a little, a little longer <laughs> at the very least. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I think, uh, you know, for many women and girls staying home during COVID-19 was dangerous. Um, and they did not because they were isolated and it was a stressful situation. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of unknown, um, you know, and, you know, it was stressful for all of us. So you can only imagine that if you're in a situation that's a bit more volatile, that it would be even more dangerous for you. Um, so, you know, the pandemic, when it was combined, you know, people lost their jobs, there were social stresses, um, all these measures that restricted contact and movement, so therefore isolated women and girls. Um, we saw, you know, there was greater risk for physical, sexual, and, and, and psychological violence. Um, and there was just, as you mentioned, reduced support and access to peer-to-peer -peer support um, that also increased this. So I know in some cases, you know, women, um, UNICEF would work with women to go door to door and, and, and visit um, different homes that had children, uh, women and children who had probably not been seen for a while. Um, and uh, in an effort to kind of, you know, at least provide them with some outside support. Um, but we do know also dozens of countries have already reported an increase in violence against women since uh, COVID-19 um, has started. So um, there's, there's a lot of support that is needed. So in addition to all of the uh, life-saving care uh, that we need, um, uh, we and the support that's required um, for gender-based violence survivors. Uh, we need clinical management of rape and mental health and psychosocial support. And, you know, again, when all of the resources are being, you know, are going towards fighting COVID-19, um, this is difficult. Mm -hmm. This is very difficult. And, you know, there's, there's restrictions for access, there's restrictions to who can be in hospitals and access healthcare worker healthcare uh, facilities. So, um, you know, that's, that's really, really been an unfortunate uh, impact. And as I mentioned, also before is that when, you know, when we take children, especially adolescent girls out of school, you, you, and, you know, and combine that with potentially a loss of income by the family, you, you know, we are seeing also um, increased uh, child marriage as well. So uh, all of these things uh, are all related. And so with that, I think we have reached uh, the end of our episode. Uh, sorry for the listeners, where can they reach you? Well, um, you can always uh, contact UNICEF Canada if you go to unicef.ca. Um, our contact information is there. Um, there's a lot of information there. And um, yeah, and, it, you know, there's an opportunity as well if you have any questions to email them in and you will get a response.
Okay, wonderful. And I think that wraps up our episode on the impact of COVID, uh, uh, specifically on gender equity and equality. Uh, And so with that, thank you all very, very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you.